Politics, Politics, and Life Sciences Radio, also known as PLS Radio, is a show about the interplay of life sciences and politics. PLS Radio is hosted by Dean L. Finelli, Ph.D., an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C., whose practice focuses on issues connected to the life sciences industry. PLS explores cutting-edge topics involving the biotech and pharma ecosystems, political and governmental policy issues affecting the biotech and pharma industries, and much more. PLS guests include scientists, business, medical professionals, media personalities, newsmakers, and political leaders. Politics and Life Sciences Radio is your place for hot topic discussions and real news in the life sciences industry. Now, it's time for Politics and Life Sciences Radio with your host, Dr. Dean L. Finelli. Good afternoon. This is Dean Finale on Politics and Life Science Radio, where we discuss all issues in the life science industry, as well as the politics that affect the industry. I am very happy today uh, to be joined by Dr. Anna Walt, uh, who is an MD at the, and professor of medicine at the University of Washington. Uh, before we get to Dr. Walt, uh, let's recap a little bit what's going on. Uh, in the life science industry, particularly as it relates to COVID. Uh, Well, it looks like we're moving in the right direction. Uh, About 70% of adults in a dozen states have received at least one COVID vaccine. So certainly good news. We know President Biden has said he'd like to have 70% of the country vaccinated uh, by July 4th. So have a little bit of a ways to go, but nonetheless, we're moving in the right direction. Um, President Biden's getting a little creative. Uh, Earlier this week, we heard him say, get a shot and get a free beer, uh, promoting uh, advertising with Budweiser to encourage people to get vaccinated. I say whatever we can do to kind of encourage people is certainly good news. Uh, We heard some states are having lotteries uh, to encourage younger people uh, offering scholarships as well as uh, adults offering uh, up to a million dollars if you win the lottery and those people who are vaccinated are eligible uh, in certain states. So getting creative to get us to that 70%, uh, but we're we're moving in the right direction uh, and we still have a little bit of ways to go. So uh, one issue that has arisen and that may have caused us to slow down because as we recall earlier this year uh, we really in the March time frame uh, had a very good pace of administration some days over 4 million shots a day after Johnson and Johnson's pause due to uh, risks associated with blood clots uh, we saw that number of individuals on a daily basis drop a little bit uh, precipitously right after that pause uh, or concurrently with that pause so Uh, Certainly, that was unfortunate, but I think when you weigh the pros and cons of uh, allowing people to, you're asking millions of people, tens of millions of people to get vaccinated, we want them to have informed consent. So even though I've heard people say that it probably, or it may have been not the best idea to have that pause because it did dissuade people apparently from getting the vaccine, I, I tend to disagree with that. I think better to have people informed and 
uh, allow them to make an informed decision based on all the risk factors. So certainly we saw that slow down. President's getting creative. States, governors are getting creative. We're getting there. It looks like we will get there hopefully by July 4th, but I'm confident if not by July 4th, uh, shortly thereafter. We heard some news earlier this week out of Israel uh, saying that uh, young men uh, predominantly who received the Pfizer mRNA vaccine have shown in in a very low uh, number of people uh, inflammation of the heart, which uh, for 95% of those people that did experience this, uh, it went away quite quickly and only a handful of people had to be hospitalized. Uh, But nonetheless, you know, there are issues associated with the vaccines. They're not 100% uh, safe without risk, but nonetheless, we're learning more in real time. And I think it's important to get that information out to people, especially as we start to ask parents to vaccinate children. As much information as we can get out there for people to make informed decisions, I think is the right thing to do. So now on Politics and Life Science Radio, I'd like to bring on our guest, uh, Dr. Anna Wald. Dr. Wald is a professor of infectious disease and researcher on COVID-19 vaccine trials at the University of Washington School of Medicine. Dr. Wald, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation. So what I'd like to ask you, uh, since it seems this is right in your wheelhouse, is when you look at, uh, first, you know, when you look at the, the potential risks associated with the vaccine, what are some things that, you know, you would tell people that came in, you know, we're looking at, you know, there are this group of people that are just hesitant, or certainly a group of people that would probably never get vaccinated. But for those people that are still hesitant, what, what could you encourage them to kind of get them over the line and get vaccinated? I think in general, what I do is, start asking people about what their concerns are and responding to each one of them. I find that each person tends to have somewhat different uh, concerns about it. And there are a lot of myths and misinformation floating around on the internet. So I sort of try to address them one by one. I also usually tell people that I got myself vaccinated very early. I encourage my friends to get vaccinated. I got my children vaccinated early. Um, So I think sort of being a model and setting an example is important. Did you have any concerns about the side effects, uh, especially you mentioned your son, uh, or do you just view them? I mean, you know, any commercial we see on the news now, you know, it seems like the last 30 seconds you hear about all the side effects. So pretty much everything we put in our body potentially has side effects. Did you have any concerns about that or did you, given the the speed of doing the trials? Um, I did not. Uh, I knew how the trials were being done, and I'm convinced that there were no safety corners that were uh, cut. The development of these vaccines, while seemingly very rapid, was actually preceded by many years of investigations on mRNA vaccines in general. So it's just this particular product that was made incredibly rapidly, but was very rigorously tested. And I think that very appropriately, when we saw a safety signal um, for Johnson & Johnson, the vaccination with that product was stopped. There was a thorough examination of what happened and a vetting, and then it was resumed. 
So to me, that means that our safety monitoring system really works. I think vaccines or any medications, any intervention will always have some side effects, and you just have to weigh the risks. What are the risks of vaccination versus the risk of not only you perhaps getting COVID, but transmitting it to your grandmother or to your immunocompromised neighbor who may not do quite as well as some young people who might not think that they're at risk. Yeah, I agree with you. That's great information. One Another question I have is we we often hear about booster shots and the potential to for the need for boosters. And, you know, I know that we're still waiting for data to come out, but what's your thoughts on how long the the immunity from the vaccine will last? And, you know, another question is, you know, not only how the length of the immunity, if you can guess, but also, you know, when you compare that to let's say I've already I'm so I have been vaccinated myself, but let's say I, I've had the virus and I'm saying, you know, I don't think I need to get vaccinated because I already have natural immunity. So we know that natural immunity to coronaviruses is not that protective. For community acquired coronaviruses that just cause common colds that we have always had in the in the United States and globally, uh, we know they're not protective at all. To this coronavirus, once you're infected, it does reduce your risk of subsequent infection, but it's not as effective as being vaccinated. And there are people who died after their second episode of COVID-19. So I definitely recommend that even people who have recovered from COVID-19 get vaccinated. This is one of the examples of vaccines that can do better than nature. The antibody titers that people achieve after vaccination are much higher and will probably last much longer than after natural infection. The other question that you ask is whether we will need boosters. And this is a very interesting area on which there's active discussions and conversations within the scientific uh, community. Some people think that we will. Some people think that we will not. I actually think we are unlikely to certainly require boosters every year. We might require one or two additional shots at some point. There are efforts to make vaccines that will cover all of SARS-CoV-2 potential variants that are not only aimed at immunity to spike protein, but also the other proteins that are um, in the virus and that may cause more durable, permanent immunity the way we have for most vaccines. Now, do do you think that I, I know you mentioned people that have natural immunity. Uh, it isn't as strong or longer lasting in certain instances, but do you think there should be a waiting period? Let's say I have, I had, I was infected last month. Should I wait, you know, a month, three months, six months before I get vaccinated? Or is it the type of thing once I'm feeling better, I should go get vaccinated. And I'm thinking of it in the context of, you know, for example, if I went to the doctor with the flu, um, even that, is that something where, you know, you should go back as, as an immunologist? Would you recommend people go back a month or so later to get vaccinated? I think in general, we don't give vaccines to people that are ill with another illness because it will be difficult to tell whether they're having side effects of the vaccine or whether it's that other illness. And also their immune system, we think, might be busy with something else and not respond as well at that time. 
So in yeah, I'm sorry. Let me, let me, that, yeah, let me re-ask that question. I think I asked that poorly. So if I have the coronavirus, uh, if I had it last month, how long should I wait or should I wait to get a coronavirus vaccine? You should wait till you recover, and then you can go okay, and get so a coronavirus vaccine. there's no longer-term vaccine. waiting period. Once you're feeling better, you would say you can get vaccinated. Yes. I don't think it's an emergency. I don't think you should be cutting in front of the line to do it. But I think at some point in the next month or so, one should go and also get the vaccine. Now, one of the really interesting questions that we're still trying to tease out is that it might be that people who have natural infection will only need one shot. So there's emerging data on this, but at this point, two shots are still recommended. Two shots recommended for Pfizer and Moderna. So as as far as um, if people had, you know, we hear about, certain people they'll have this 24 to 48 hours typically after the second shot this small amount of people who have you know tiredness a little bit of fever fatigue is that and and we've heard that's the body's immune system working so is there any reason to believe if i had that period or i didn't have that period the immunity is better or worse So far, I have not seen any data that correlates the severity of side effects with the immune response. So I think it's a nice idea to be able to tell yourself, oh, I felt so lousy after my second shot. It must have worked really well. So I'm very happy for people to do that. But I can't say that that's the truth yet. Gotcha. I'm talking, this is Dean Finale on Politics and Life Science Radio. I'm talking to Dr. Anna Wald. Uh, physician and researcher at the University of Washington uh, School of Medicine. Uh, Dr. Wald, when some people, uh, is there any reason, uh, going back to that point of some people having that difficult period for 24 to 48 hours, is there any science behind who that, who may have that? Because, for example, my parents are both in their 80s. They had their first shot and second shot and had no effect whatsoever Whereas, you know, I'm in my 40s, and after that second shot, I was in bed for about 24 hours. Is there any correlation, or can do we know any data about who could likely have this more severe kind of effect after the second shot? It is very clear that older people have less side effects after getting the vaccine. Younger people, we think their immune uh, system is, uh, you know, easier to provoke. And it has a stronger response to the vaccine. And that's why in uh, children, it looks like the dose of Moderna that's going to be used is actually half of the dose that's going to be that we're using in adults. So is, is that for children under 12 uh, or is that for the children? Yes. In the, OK, under 12. OK, that's interesting. So do we know anything from uh, any of the other vaccines about their dosage, Pfizer or J&J? I don't know uh, anything about their pediatric dosing and if they're trying to look at a lower dose. But it's amazing how effective these vaccines um, have been. So, you know, it may be that you can give a little less and it can go a little further around the world. We have a lot of people who need to vaccinate. Yeah, that was another, the next question I was going to ask you because, you know, we've heard a lot about uh, other countries, developing countries, and especially, you know, we can see uh, 
catastrophic uh, situation, you know, last month that was going on in India. What do you think is is the, the best way to get these vaccines to other countries? Is it for the U.S. since we seem to have, you know, have the manufacturing and the supply uh, and the logistics pretty well figured out? It, would it be better to just kind of do what we're doing, increase the scale and then ship it around the world? Or do you think it w- makes more sense? Because I've also heard in the context of, you know, patents and removing patents and waiving patents that other countries would like to try and manufacture this by themselves. And frankly, I just think it's going to be a little too complex to just say, okay, we have a, uh, a facility here that manufactures pharmaceuticals or biologics. Now we're going to have them pivot and make either mRNA or the recombinant DNA and the carrier and, you know, in these finish and fill type scenarios in developing countries. I just don't see that as a, a viable option, or maybe it's some combination of both. Do you have any any thoughts on that, the difficulty in making this and getting this to developing countries? I think my answer is yes to all of those. So I think we really need to make an effort, whether by giving the vaccine after manufacturing it locally or uh, facilitating manufacturing in other countries. India certainly has vaccine manufacturing capability, um, right, because they make a lot of their own vaccines and actually they're a main exporter of vaccines to places like uh, Africa. And then for other countries, you know, that they cannot make their own, uh, then those countries need to be provided vaccine manufactured elsewhere. I want to ask you, you know, we've heard a lot of the uh, reports about, you know, even going back to last year about whether this is natural and now it seems like uh, what we thought was a conspiracy theory last year is now kind of reemerging on more mainstream sources that this may have emerged or come out of a lab. And I was pretty surprised last week when the former uh, head of the FDA, Dr. Gottlieb, said that it's not uncommon for leaks out of these, you know, basically high-secure high biologic labs to happen. Um, do you have any idea. I was always under the impression that this was a natural occurrence and, you know, that kind of leak from a lab was more of a conspiracy theory, but it seems like maybe it's not as outlandish as it seemed last year. Do you have any thoughts on that? I I always thought that that it's most likely merged naturally and that it's unlikely to to be a leak from the lab. But one of the things about science is that one needs to be able to change one's mind when new evidence emerges. So given that there's new evidence, I think there needs to be an investigation to really understand better. And we also actually need to do it so we know how to prevent this in the future. That that was a great answer. I think you should be maybe consider politics because that was a, <laughs> a, very, a very nuanced answer, but I like it. So uh, last question, Dr. Wald. I know you're very busy and I appreciate you joining us on Politics and Science Radio. What, what advice do you have just generally uh, for people, you know, that are out there that are in the U.S. that are starting to get back to normal? Uh, are we, if we're vaccinated, is it, you know, go back to normal, have fun? Is there any precautions or just generally what advice would you give? I think outside, um, as long as you can stay in a reasonable distance from people, we don't have to wear masks if people are vaccinated. 
Um, inside, I still, in general, wear a mask, uh, but I'm in New York right now, uh, and I see about half and half on the streets, and definitely restaurants are filling up, and I think it's a good thing. That's one of the great things about vaccines, is that we can all get vaccinated and then um, go back to life like it was before. I couldn't agree with you more. Dr. Wald, thank you so much for your time today. Greatly appreciate having you and providing us with all that just great information. And that's exactly the point, right? Let's get everyone vaccinated so we can get back to normal. Uh, that's, you know, science working the way it should work. Uh, it was really an honor to have uh, Dr. Anna Wald today providing some information on the virus, the vaccines, and uh, how to handle different situations relating to the virus. So thanks again to her. And we look forward to talking to everyone again next week. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio with Dr. Dean L. Finelli. For more information, check us out at facebook.com slash politics and life sciences.